Greetings in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Welcome to the Power Hour. This is our second installment for this year. It is also the second installment of the new series that Pastor Henry and myself are doing. When we sat down to discuss the particulars of this series, it was Pastor Henry who insisted that the month of January be about single people. Because he knows he's about to lose that status, so he needed something to keep him going until the day. So for the month of January, we are not talking about couples. We are not talking about marriage. In fact, we're not even talking to young people only. We're talking to everybody. Everybody? Everybody. Old and young, single and married. Because guess what? All the problems you have in marriage stem from the problems you have as an individual. So whatever baggage that you brought into the marriage, that's the problem. Of course, the single guy is going to say, that's right. I love it. Get your Bibles out. Uh, we're going to go to a very common passage of Scripture. Uh, you know, one of those verses that is read at every single wedding. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. But I'm not going to read the love stuff. I'm going to read what Paul says close to the end. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, I'm going to read verse 11 all the way down to verse, uh, verse 11 and 12. That, that, that's sufficient. As always, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Uh, this is what the powerful man of God has to say. When I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child. But when I grew up, I put away childish things. Now we see things imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror. But then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete. But then I will know everything completely, just as God now knows me. Let's pray one more time. Dear Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. O God, my Redeemer. Amen. Today's message is, is interesting because uh, I want to be honest with you. It was inspired by a search phenomena. I'm going to share the title with you because I don't, I don't know why I went with it. Maybe I was feeling nostalgic about my 20s. But the title got me, and today's message is built around it. I was supposed to preach the whole sermon today, but while going through the material, I realized I cannot go through 10 things in one sermon, no matter how fast I talk. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to deal with five today, maybe. Maybe three, hopefully five, and we'll complete the rest in another sermon. What you have up on the screen, I hope you can see it, is a graphic that somebody created that talks about the three stages of a human being's life in relation to the three currencies of life. The three stages, stages of a human being's life, young, adult, and old. Of course, child psychologists would spread that out a little bit more. But for the sake of simplicity, you are young, you are an adult, and then you get old. 
Now, connected to those three stages of life are the three currencies of life. Uh, this is not a law that these are the three currencies, but these are the ones that I agree with, and I want you to see what it's about. When you are young, you have plenty of time. You have plenty of energy, but you have no money. You are born broke until you have a job. My son likes to say to people, don't come to my house. I asked him, who told you it's your house? This is not the prodigal son story. It's not yours. Oh, these are my toys. You borrow those toys. Because when you are young, you have no money. You have time and you have energy. When you become an adult, you run out of time. Because you're using your energy to make money. If you're in your 30s and you're lazy, you have a lot of time, but you have no money. Because you're sitting down and doing nothing. When you get older, assuming that you are the traditional retiree type of a person, now you have a lot of time, you don't have energy, but you have money if you've been frugal and spending your money. So these are the three stages of a human being's life. And these are the three currencies, time, money, and energy. What does this have to do with the message? Paul says, when I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child. But when I grew up, I put away childish things. There's an expectation that the older you're becoming, the more mature the more reasonable, more critical thinking a person you should be. This is the expectation, but the reality is different. Because for some reason, the older that people get, the more childish their behavior becomes. I'm going to break it down. Today, the message is entitled, 10 Things I Wish I Knew in My Twenties. I was 20 years old 20 years ago. So I'm sitting asking myself, what are the things I didn't do that I should have done? So allow me to talk about myself through the sermon, but if it applies to you, go ahead and take it with you. Who is this for? Is this for the 20-year-olds? Yes. Is this for the 30-year-olds? Yes. Is this for the person in their 50s with grandkids? Which is the irony of this generation? You're 50 and you have grandkids. If you're in your 60s and 70s, this is for you. The old person should reflect back on what they should have been. And the one who is in their 20s, you are just in time. If you are in your 30s, better late than never. If you're in your 40s, be careful. If you're in your 50s, we're praying for you. These are the things that we ought to know in, in that age. Why 20? Why 20? Well, because it makes for a beautiful magazine cover, but also because in your 20s, that's when you are starting to taste some freedom. You are starting to taste the joy of making money. You are starting to taste the joy of being given responsibilities outside of the home. Companies and schools and universities are trusting you with resources, with money, and with different things that you might not have been given as a child. In your 20s, you can drive, 
In your 20s, you can be in healthy relationships. In your 20s, you can start to think about the direction of your career. In your 20s, you are starting to become the person you've always wanted to be. When you were younger, you wanted to be a fireman, but now that you've grown up, now you want to be a doctor. Things begin to crystallize in your 20s, and that is so true because whatever you are in those 10 years between 20 and 30, it almost becomes what you are for the rest of your life. So the habits, the things you pick up in your 20s, that's what you take into relationships. And so this message is born out of that idea that your 20s are the moment you become somebody. Number one, it's uh, happening again. Number one, Pastor Henry, I'll help a brother out. Technology is failing me. Number one, it's okay to not be okay. That's number one. It's okay to not be okay. I remember once as a child, I got bullied in school. I deserved it. I teased him, big mouth and all. So this kid beat me up. I ran home. My brother, my stepbrother was home, the oldest one in the family. And like a child would, I started to cry when I saw him. He came to me, he's like, what you crying for? I said, some kid beat me up and I don't know why. What I was expecting was, it's okay, it's okay. Take me to his house, I'll deal with him. That is not what he said. He said to me, so when he hit you, what did you do? I said, I ran away and I cried. And he beat me also. <laughs> Today, if a child is bullied in a school, a lawyer, a child psychologist, and a witness are brought into the room. Okay? Because that's how it is today. But in my generation, big boys didn't cry. You had to suck it up and walk it off. It was good and bad because what happened is, whenever you were abused, physically, sexually, or otherwise, if you told on the person, you were almost silenced. And you had to carry this with you for the rest of your life. So what has happened is, from baby boomers and the, the older millennials, they are carrying scars of the past, but they can't show them. We, we didn't have social media where you could post uh, hashtag uh, uh, the struggle is real. We, we didn't have that. We didn't get to share our emotions with strangers. We had to keep them to ourselves. That's the generation we came from. But I'm here to say it's okay to not be okay. With the advent of the social media generation, it has created a situation where people are sharing false emotions online, but keeping the real ones to themselves. You want to be honest, but you're seeing your friends posting pictures of vacations and dinners and pictures of their food. You want to talk about what's going on with your life, but you can't. Because this generation says, I must be okay. Commercial break. I can do this without the slides, bro. I'm good. I'm good. Second thing I want to talk about, about not being okay. When I was younger, no Facebook, no TikTok, no... See, that's how old I am. I'm trying, I'm trying to go down the list. I almost said path. Somebody, like, what is path? It was that uh, uh, minimalist Facebook. 
We didn't have that. So when I left primary school or elementary school, I have no idea what happened to my classmates. The one time when I crossed the border for my country, I saw one of my classmates blasted on the wall, wanted for committing a crime. I was like, huh, so that's what happened to him. We didn't know what happened to each other. I got out of high school. I didn't talk to my friends for years. But today, you guys track each other daily because you're volunteering information on a daily basis. People know what you had for breakfast. People know what the sermon is because you're posting it. People are going to know about your lunch. And some of you dum-dums, you keep posting every boyfriend you're dating. I know your relationship history just by scrolling back. I know everything about you because you're putting it out there. But most of the time, it's not who you are. And so, parents, what you have is a generation of young people who are not okay. You are comparing them to the neighbor's kid. They're comparing themselves to the neighbor's kid. And so they're walking around and they're not okay. But you force them to become a doctor. You force them to get married. And when they get married, you force them to have children. And they keep doing these things because you ask them to. But guess what? Your children are not okay. So to anybody who's 20 and below, it's okay to not be okay. Amen, somebody. Amen. I know. That is not a Christian Adventist thing to say that you're not okay. See, we come from a religion where you got to be perfect. Everything in your life has got to be on point. Don't post pictures of fighting. Post pictures where everybody's happy. Sometimes I watch parents fight with the kids to try and pose and try to get in the right position. We force the kid to smile, but the kid is not okay. Some of you are tracking your ex way too much. Stop tracking your ex and make way for your next. Amen, somebody. Unfollow, delete, block, do everything you can because you know what happens. Some of you have this syndrome. I never discovered how unhappy I was until I discovered how happy you were. Your unhappiness is, a, is there because you thought your ex would be cursed by God because they broke up with you. But guess what? He's happily married with three kids. You thought she would break apart because you told her she wasn't pretty enough, but now her life is on point and you are with a woman that makes you wish you were dead. It's okay to not be okay. Talk to somebody. Talk to your parents. Talk to your friends. Talk to the pastor. But whatever you do, stop carrying the not okay spirit into the world. Passage of scripture, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15. Look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Watch out for no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. It is the people who are not okay that are creating more not okay people. Not okay parents give birth to not okay children. Not okay children do not okay things which perpetuate the nonsense in the world. Some of you not okay parents bring your not okay children to the school and to the pastor. What am I supposed to do? In the space of one conversation with the drama you created all the child's life. You force them to come to church, but you don't exemplify Christ at home. The passage says, it is a poisonous root of bitterness that causes chaos in the community. The people that cause chaos in the home and in the church are people who are not okay. And because they didn't get help, they are spreading the seed of bitterness. 
You are unhappily married. Now you're talking about other people's marriages. If you can't say amen, say ouch. There are too many not okay people getting in and out of relationships because they hope someone else will make them okay. The pastor spent uh, enough time last week trying to emphasize that nobody can complete you. That's not just a clever quote. That is not some cliche statement. It is a reality. Marriage is not supposed to make you happy. Let me stand up here. Maybe some of y'all can't see me. Marriage was never intended to make you happy. The Bible doesn't say, and the Lord saw that Adam was unhappy. It didn't say that. It said, and the Lord saw that Adam was alone. Not incomplete, alone. Not lonely, alone. Meaning that he was whole, but for him to fulfill his God-given purpose, he needed a woman by his side. Not to step on, not to be stepped on, but to work together. Amen, somebody? It is. It is okay to not be okay. To those who are married, if things are not working out, it's okay to talk to somebody. Get counseling. Stop the facade of acting as if you're perfect because that's what is expected of you. It's okay to not be okay. Switching to another church is not going to fix your relationship. What needs to be switched is you. But please come back and worship with us. Amen. It's okay not to be okay, but it's not okay to stay that way. Just because you've admitted that you're not okay doesn't mean you keep throwing that at your partner. You knew what I was when you married me. You knew what I was when you married me. Stop that. Get some help. Okay, don't get angry. Um, Number two. Number two. Spend more time pointing in, not pointing out. I've been watching a lot of YouTube videos and... uh, interviews and uh, from politics to celebrities you know we 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 make fun of cancel culture but do you realize that when you google cancel culture right now the articles that come up are about children high school kids whatever you guys are doing to Kanye West and Donald Trump your kids are doing to each other in school your kids are canceling each other when a boy breaks up with a girl she goes online and says bad things about him the guy will post naked pictures of his girlfriend, 16 years old. I read a New York Times article where a young man whose name is Diego, drunk at a party, he, posts, he shows all his friends naked pictures of his girlfriend, and all his friends do that, but because he did that, the whole school canceled him. The whole school. And he committed suicide. You know why? Because we've taught our children to look out instead of looking in. At home, we talk about the pastor, We talk about our business partners. We talk about their uncles and aunties. We talk about their siblings in front of them. And so now social media has come and has given people the power to comment, to unfollow, to troll. And so your kids have become social media trolls. Your son is quiet, but he's always in the room. What do you think he's doing? Maybe he's talking to some porn star using your credit card and you don't know. Matthew 7 verse 3, the Bible says, And why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? Pastor, do you know why adults like to gossip? Because they started when they were kids. Nobody told them it's not okay. So in other words, because we're not okay, to hide our not okayness, we point out somebody else's not okay. 
We point out some other girl's hairstyle. We point out some other dude's inability to afford a smartphone. But really, we are hiding our own hurt. And you know what they say? Hurt people hurt people. And so that's why we are judgmental. Because that's the culture we are in. We're canceling people left and right because we know we've got a log in our own heart. Jesus says, stop that. You have a log in your own eye. Stop doing that to other people. Deal with it in yours. That is the article I was telling you about. Canceled at the age of 17. Canceled at the age of 17. Let's move on. Prayerful self-reflection will lead to purpose-filled affection. Prayerful self-reflection. I'm, I'm not a, a self-help a type of a person, but I believe that prayerful self-reflection is important. If you spend more time looking within, it will help you know how to deal with other people. In fact, it is people who do not self-reflect who keep jumping into relationships. People who do not self-reflect always need somebody else to give them validation. In fact, some people have become addicted to not being okay. So they keep getting into abusive relationships. They get into an abusive relationship and they call that control. She's a confident. She's an alpha. He's an alpha. No, he's abusive. She's abusive. Because you're not self-reflecting. And so what you do, you start to point out what other people are doing. For the record, any Christian who goes on social media and puts people's names and insults them for the world to see, that person is not a believer in Jesus Christ. There is no place in God's kingdom to mention people by name simply because you have a problem with them. It is ungodly. Amen? Amen. It is unacceptable. Prayerful self-reflection will lead to purpose-filled affection. What that means is you will have a love for people that is born out of a love you have for yourself. Jesus said two commandments. Number one, love God with all your heart, mind, and soul, but love your neighbor as... Yourself. So who do you love first, your neighbor or yourself? You love you because the way you love you is how you will love other people. And if you love yourself in a godly way, you will be careful who you bring into your life. Let's go. Matthew McConaughey wrote a book called Green Lights. And in that book is where this quote comes from. And I've used it as one of the things I wish I knew in my 20s. The person I am and the person I aim to be sleep in the same bed at night. I ask myself, why does he point out the fact that you're in bed sleeping? Because when you're sleeping, nobody's there with you. It's just you and your thoughts. There's no one to impress. There's nobody to get attention from. There's nobody to get validation from. It's just you. But what most people don't realize or pay attention to is the reason you're depressed, the reason you're troubled, is because there's two people struggling. The person that you are and the person that you're trying to be. Now what happens to a 20-year-old or in that age range? They get so caught up with what other people are that they get confused. They don't pay attention to what they are. They start to pretend. They keep sending their representative into the world. They suppress who they really are. Now they've added a third person. There's who you are. There's who you're pretending to be. Then there's who you're becoming. The person you're becoming is the person who gets married. But when you get married with an imposter, you cause chaos in the home and in the person's life. 
Do you understand what is, what is coming out of my mouth right now? The person you are and the person you're becoming, that's the people who go to bed at night. And if you don't deal with that, you are going to suffer from depression. You are going to become bitter, moody. And guess what? You will tell yourself, maybe if I get married, I'll be better. No. Because two moody people maketh not a relationship. Revelation 24 verse 1. That is not a Bible verse. I'm sorry, I should not have said that. Okay? Because there's nothing worse than two broken people getting together. But for some reason, there's this weird reverse psychology where two people who are broken think they will make a good couple. They're both messed up and now they get married and now two people are messed up and Lord have mercy, they have a child. I know, as I'm saying this, there is a 10% chance that somebody is in the very situation I'm describing. I am not making fun of you. I am praying for you. I am not judging you. I am simply saying it's time to admit that you're not okay. It is time to admit that you are not who you say you are. That doesn't make you a liar. It makes you a person that needs help. Okay. Philippians 3 verse 12 to 14, Paul says, I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things or that I have already re reached perfection, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on. For the majority of young people, they press pause in their 20s. People talk about midlife crisis and all that kind of stuff. I'll be honest with you, it, it's, it doesn't have to be that way. But in, in, the, in the 20 age range, that's where a lot of people press pause. They go to school. They get into relationships. They get jobs. They build their career. But the truth is, they press pause on the person they're becoming. And then all of a sudden, in their 30s, they now want to discover themselves. She's a mother. But now she wants to travel the world. She wants to post pictures on Instagram. When she's on vacation, her husband is a professional photographer. Because now she wants to show the world that I'm living my best life. But the truth is, she's miserable and pretending in her 30s. Who? He thought you came to hear a sermon, but I'm just crapping on you right now. There are preventable things that you can do in order to get better. Do not walk into a relationship if you don't feel complete, take your time. Take your time. Take your time. Nobody should force anybody to get married if they're not ready. No parent, no boyfriend, no girlfriend. Stop forcing someone to marry you because you are inheriting a problem. Pastor, if I don't marry her, I'll die. And when you get married, you wish you were dead. Germany Kent is a young lady who's an author. I'm impressed by young people that write books. In one of her books, she says, describing herself, current status in life becoming. I thought that was beautiful. I'm becoming somebody. I'm becoming something. I'm working on myself. I'm working on my career. I'm working on my relationship with me. I'm working on my spirituality. Because when somebody comes into my life, they're not coming in to complete me. They're coming in to compliment me. You're not there to add something I don't have. You're there because I've got something to give. I love this one. I love this one. I was, uh, I was talking to a young man who went to play basketball. I'm not going to say his name. And this is about uh, last year, around, 
beginning of December, maybe end of November. I haven't played basketball in so long. And so we were chatting after the game. Now, I'm, I'm 20 plus 20 years old now. So I'm like, so what are you going to do this afternoon? It's like, ah, I'm going to play tennis and I'm going to play golf. I'm like, get out of here, man. Because I'm done. That's it. Basketball, I go home, I sit down. When I play with my son, I'm on the floor. This guy is going to play tennis, then going to play golf. He's in his 20s. I want to let every 20-year-old know something. I'm not hating on you, but you're going to get old. All that stuff that is up there is going to go down south, if you know what I mean. Okay? It ain't going to be together. At some point, you're going to have to love the person for their character and not for their body. Amen, somebody. Amen. You are going to get old. Work on becoming wiser. I don't care how much makeup you wear. I don't care how much uh, 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 anti-aging juice you drink. I don't care how much treadmill you put in. You are going to get old. I don't care how many filters you use on social media. You're going to get old. When I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child. But when I grew up, I put away childish things. The one thing that we need to work on is putting away childish things. What are childish things? Childish things are thinking that the world revolves around you. Childish things are thinking that somebody else can come and complete you. Childish things is doing what you want, when you want, with who you want, and thinking you won't deal with the consequences. Childish things is burning the bridges behind you, not realizing you're going to need some of those people. Do you know how embarrassing it is to break somebody's heart and then go for a job interview and she's in charge of the HR department? There's a reasonable expectation of maturity from the words that come out of your mouth, the things you say, the way you reflect on life, how you think, and the way you rationalize, the way you reason. You can work on this in your 20s. I know. I get it. Okay? I'm not here sounding like, oh, I figured it out. I told you I'm talking to myself right now. I messed up a lot in my 20s. I thought I would never get old. I thought I had it all figured out. I did not. In fact, pastor, when I was 19, I said to myself, here's my plan. Okay, pre-med, 25, get married, 30, have kids, 31, have another kid, travel the world. God said, uh-uh, 35, get married. That's it. I'm still here. Last one. Ten things I wish I knew when I was in my 20s. Number five, seeking freedom should be about destiny, not about detours. Seeking freedom should be about destiny and not detours. What does that mean? There's this addiction to freedom that people have in their parents' home, right? I know you have kids, and I'm sure you hear them talking about when I grow up. I have a Bible study group on Monday nights, and I ask them, so what am I praying for today? And the young lady said, I'm turning 15 soon, and I'll be able to stay out late longer. Right? And the boy said, I'm turning 18 soon. I'll be able to leave home soon. But what you guys don't understand is when you leave home, you got to pay your own bills. Imagine you got to put your own data in your phone, your own Wi-Fi. you got to buy your own food and your own snacks. Now when you go out on dates, you can't be asking mommy for money no more. you got to pay for that date. Right? No more going to expensive places. Now it's noodle and egg because you wanted to be independent, Right? But instead of looking at freedom as an opportunity to become somebody, you look at opportunity at independence as a reason to do what you want. 
Now, I'm not here to tell you what to do, but I'm here to tell you that if you spend your 20s spending your wealth, spending your, your, your reputation and spending your energy, what's going to happen in your 30s, you're going to slow down. But you spend so much time giving away stuff that in your 30s, when you're thinking about marriage and settling down, you got all this baggage. All of this baggage because you wanted freedom. Now you have it. Galatians 5 verse 13. For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. But don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. This is not for old people. This is for young people. That it's okay to want freedom. It's okay to want to expand your territory. It's okay to get out of your comfort zone. Because when you start thinking about freedom, it shows you're maturing. But if you want freedom to do what you want while your parents keep paying the bill, that's wrong. I know I am in Asia. I am 10 years. In April 10, I'll be 10 years in this country. So I get the Asian context of parenting. That as long as you live at home, you are still under the rules. You will do what we say when we say, I respect that 100%. That's how it should be. If you want freedom, go out and pay your own bills. Pastor, you're the only one that's saying, mm. and I get why. I get it. Victor Franco. I'm in the process of uh, listening to his book about finding your purpose, about his experiences in Auschwitz in Germany during the Second World War. It, I'm taking my time to read the book because it's, it's heartbreaking. But this man went through the worst experiences in those concentration camps, but he came out of it. He left and went to America and became very famous because of his stories and the things that he talked about. He decided to turn his chaos into something that was a message. And one of the things that Viktor Frankl said that is still true today is this. The problem with America is that we have a statue of liberty, but not a statue of responsibility. A lot of people want to be free, but they don't want the responsibility that comes with it. That is the problem even in God's house. People are talking about freedom. I had a 14-year-old a few years ago tell me that his parents did not understand him. I'm like, what does that mean your parents don't understand you? Oh, our generation is different. You're 14. What do you know about generations? Do you know the difference between an adult and a child? A child doesn't know what he doesn't know, whereas a parent knows what he doesn't know. I went to my uncle. I was having problems with my girlfriend. I called him up. I'm like, uncle, I'm so upset. Please help me understand women. And my uncle said to me, nephew, when I figure it out, I'll let you know. Because he knows that he doesn't know. But young people think they know. Pastor, he'll make me happy. I'm sure of it. I had a dream. An angel came and told me, she's the one. You're not helping. I wish I knew these things because I'm telling you right now. If I called my wife to stand up on the stage, my wife is not married to a pastor. She's married to a man. She knows me. You don't. She knows me. I know her. I know her baggage. She knows mine. So when I'm telling you this stuff, I'm not making fun of you. I'm not picking on you. I'm telling you that I'm carrying some baggage. Now and again, I drop it off at the cross, but I'm still holding on to some stuff. You feel me? But every day, we're doing our best to get rid of it. Because, number one, it's okay to not be okay. 
Tell your partner what happened to you when you were a child. Tell her, tell him what happened to you when you were a child. Don't use it as ammunition. Don't use it talking about, oh, I don't trust men. You got to give me your passwords to your phone. You got to give me access to your, to your internet and your email. No. Learn to trust before you get into a relationship. I know your dad was not good to your mother, but you don't get to do that to women yourself. Get some help. Amen, somebody. If you're young in this room and you're thinking about marriage, take your time. There is no way that says you are forced to get married. Just because Genesis chapter 1 says, multiply and replenish the earth, that wasn't for you, that was for Adam. There's enough people in the world. Being single is not a curse. Being single is not a curse. I miss being single. I've been teaching my wife to be single. I've been telling her, get out of the house. I'll watch Riley. Go, 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 go. Do what you want. Be single. Because if you're single, you'll make a good husband and a good wife. I wish I could drop the mic, but these things are expensive right now. Val says, no, don't do it. Don't do it. I'm done for today. I'm done for today. Uh, I really, I hope those who are older and married and struggling, you've come out of divorce, you're thinking about it. I, I want you to know that there's things you can do to get help. Jumping from one relationship to another is not going to help you. Get some help. You are causing scars that are not necessary. So much baggage. I wish I could share some stuff about my life, but I don't want to get cancelled. I don't want to get cancelled. I want to tell you right now, it's okay to not be okay. It's okay to look inside or not outside. It's okay to remember, even though you are not what you want to be, you don't have to be what you were before. It's okay. Heads bowed. Eyes closed. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Thank you, baby girl, for helping with this, uh, this message. I guess I helped me with it because there are a lot of things I couldn't process and she helped me through it. God bless you, baby girl. Heavenly Father, we come before you this moment in prayer. I know that there's an adult in the room thinking that this message is for their children. I know there's a young person thinking that this message is for older people who are reflecting. This message is for all of us. I know it feels like I was all over the place, but these five things that we've learned today, I hope somebody's reflecting and thinking, huh, I'm not okay. I need to get help. Somebody's thinking, I'm, I'm so judgmental of other people's lives, it's because I'm hiding chaos in my own heart. Maybe somebody's thinking, maybe if I just get married, maybe if I just find somebody to complete me, I'll be happy. No. And so, Father, I'm, I'm not the right person to say these things, but you are the right person to impress them upon them. If somebody is uncomfortable in their seat, good. If somebody is forced to reflect and is embarrassed, good. Because now they can get the help they need. Now they can begin to focus and do the work that needs to be done. I pray, Heavenly Father, that we would humble ourselves and deal with the stuff we need to deal with. We don't have to get into the new year carrying the same relationship baggage from the previous year. We don't have to allow our children to see us the way that we are. For the young people, talk to your parents, trust them. I know you think they're old because they don't know what a TikTok is. But Jesus is relevant today as much as he was back then. I know you hide the fact that you are Christian because you don't want to get cancelled. You don't want to get judged for hating certain groups of people. It's okay to not be okay. 
And if there's somebody who doesn't feel okay spiritually, you're having to pretend to be something that you're not. You're having to show up in here because somebody said you should. It's okay to not be okay. You came here for the wrong reasons, but you're still in the right place. You came here looking for somebody, but you found Jesus. That's okay. You came in here because you're looking for an answer. You're looking for answers to the question you haven't even asked yet. You're in the right place. I pray that God would speak to your heart. And now, Father, I pray, be above us to watch over us, beneath us to lift us up when we fall. I pray, Heavenly Father, that you walk ahead of us and guide us in the way. I pray that you walk behind us, that we would never go astray. I pray that you will surround us to protect us, but above all things, that you would be in our hearts every single day. Thank you, Father, for hearing this prayer. If you are with me in the prayer, let me hear you say amen. amen. And amen. God bless you.